Hi there, welcome to the movies that raised me. We are going to discuss a film which I've actually seen way too many times. <laughs> I think this is of all the films, the film I've probably seen the most. Yeah. And that is because of none other than my co host Charlotte's. I think love I owe you an apology. <laughs> yeah I, I i think when we were younger like you know we only had one tv um I, no well, i think i know why and, i wanted to watch this movie and so many times there wasn't really much choice when no. charlotte was like i'm gonna watch this again so it was either that no, or we both i had insomnia and sometimes you'd come and join me while i watched it late at night oh, i didn't realize you had insomnia <laughs> always have uh hopefully won't always have um no i i think basically what happened was for the very first time in my life, I fell in love. With Chad? Yeah. Deeply. Yeah. And I just wanted to watch it again and again. And I grew to just love the movie. But I do, you know what? After having rewatched it last night, so it's very fresh in my mind, I liked this movie. I thought it was feel good fun. And I, I'm just going to read a review that really stood out to me from IMBD. And this is from someone called Gorgeous5. And they left this review in May 2005, so not really very long after this film came out. I didn't even realise IMBD actually existed then. This person must have been typing on an early, early version of a laptop or a computer, right? No, not a laptop. Um, Like a big PC. Like a round kind of one, yeah. Yeah. Probably on like a black screen. Like the PC that Sam has in the movie. Yes. (laughs) Coincidentally. Um, and it, the, the review's entitled Cracking Feel Good Fabulousness Feel Good is hyphenated which I really enjoy um, <laughs> and uh, Gorgeous 5 goes on to say fantastic interpretation of an age old classic this movie has it all with a modern spark every aspect of the original story has been taken into account and even added to and I can only imagine... What a feat. I think they're talking about Cinderella, the Grimm Brothers fairy tale or whatever it is. I should have looked that up. Is it Hans Christian Andersen? I would suspect there's versions yeah. in well, both. Yeah, exactly. But it's an, it's an age-old tale. It's, I don't think you could find an author. I mean, I think every it's interpretation a... of Cinderella is, like, by definition, a palimpsest of, you know, collective myth over time, right? Right. So... Anyway, Gorgeous the Fifth continues, but also for gu- also for the guys, hot chicks galore, and for the girls, fit and soulful blokes. Blokes, wow. Now, not all the blokes are fit and soulful, so I think that's like I, I'm going to assume this is a man. Gorgeous Five, I think he's slightly misrepresenting the amount of fit and soulful blokes. There's probably just one. Yeah. Hot chicks galore, though. Agreed. I feel like her, Sam's dad was soulful before he died. I suppose in an older man way, yeah. Yeah. He could have done better than Fiona, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it continues. A rockin' soundtrack and slick feel to the whole film with the obligatory heart-wrenching sorrow of our heroine's father's death. And the hatred, brackets, oh, such hatred 
of the wicked stepmom. This person loves hyphens. I'm confused by their uh, dialect because they use the term bloke <laughs> and then mom. Maybe Australian. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. What more? Or like Hong Kongese. What more do you need for today's Cinderella love and breed? Again, baffled. A great film to be enjoyed by the whole family. Massive thumbs up from our whole family. Are you I'm, sure you're not gorgeous? I'm sure. Honestly, I copied this. Look, here's the link. Anyway, oh, they it's gave our, it. It's a, our father. <laughs> so, go, well, they gave it a 10 out of 10, which is, I think, a lot higher than its average rating on IMDb. But I'm just going to fact check myself there. 5.9 out of 10 stars. Right. Based on a study group of 77,065 people, which is fair few. Fair few, but I mean, it's they're not all critics. They're no. just like gen. Well, they're you know. They're, they're lay people. They're citizen critics. <laughs> like citizen journalists. It's the voice of the people really being exercised. Yeah. But I think that is a harsh rating. I think the original uh, panning, and there it is an original panning, uh, critical panning of the film when it was released, is unfair. And I think if it was reviewed in like our current climate it would get a fairer yeah um it would get a fair rating because i think in the last few years you've seen films like mamma mia 2 got quite good reviews but it wasn't i think the original was probably better but the original got really bad reviews and then it was such a runaway success with the public i think critics have started to reassess (laughs) that and it's the same with the greatest showman which should never get good reviews no awful but I do think there has been in recent years a trend towards um, critics giving crowd-pleasing films better uh, critical reviews. Are saying there reviews. might be corruption? Not corruption. I, I, You've heard it here <laughs> first, guys. Because um, so it has a 12% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that's bad. Uh, the site's critical consensus reads, an uninspired generic <gasps> updating of the classic fairy tale. I mean, it's not like wholly unfair, but I think... There's more nuance to it than that. And let's all yeah. remember that Mean Girls was highly criticised. But there's still a lot of people, boomers, if you will, who would immediately assume Mean Girls is trashy and boring. And yeah, but they're just not the target audience. Because there was a lot of things about this film that made me think, actually, it was kind of woker than I would I thought it would be. Right, and so Rod, the late Roger Herbert, who's quite a famous film critic, yeah. or was... He called it a lame, stupid movie, which, I mean, he didn't even take the time to properly articulate that. (laughs) So let's just give a brief description and context to A Cinderella Story. So it was released... You know the story. (laughs) Yeah, so released in 2004. Yeah. uh, This is an American teen rom-com directed by Mark Rosman, who has directed a few other films in this ilk. He so, directed the Lifetime classic, William and Kate. Yes, which if you're like Charlotte and I, will be huge fans of. <laughs> he, he also directed The Perfect Man, which Hilary Duff is also yeah, in. Yeah. And he did Sorority Row, which is another like kind of college film. I feel like film. that's a horror film, though. Um, maybe. I think I get the feeling it's a slasher film that so, maybe yeah. this film was slightly outside 
of his comfort zone. He has worked um, in television directing Lizzie McGuire, so maybe oh. this is a working relationship. You know, I'm thinking... A bit of a muse, maybe, Hillary. Yeah, Duff. I'm thinking, like, Greta Gerwig and Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the vibes you're getting, right, yeah. Yeah, so this film uh, stars Hilary Duff and Charlotte's Bew, Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> it also um, stars a... Uh, an actor, a star, an icon who we've already discussed on this podcast, who's Jennifer Coolidge. Oh, wow. She is fantastic in this movie, I must say. I sh- love her. She, yeah. I think she plays basically like the same character, but plays in very different life context. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying it's the same character as Lee Zorn, but no, that the same characterization. But she, plays, but she plays the villain so well. Yeah. And it's it like, suits her more. I prefer her in this role, even though I love her. It's like she's in Friends and she, she just has amazing comic timing. It really lifted me up last night, if I'm honest. She actually started um, her career in an improv group. Which <laughs> well, that makes sense. Makes sense. And then also Regina King. Oh, who love her. I actually forgot that she was in this film and her career's really taken, taken off. off since this. She was um, in Beale Street Could Talk. Which she's I think in starring in Watchmen, apparently, at the moment, which I haven't got around to watching, but I will. I've heard that's really good, the TV she's, series. She's an epic actress, and her and Jennifer Coolidge play off each other in a really beautiful way, I thought, that came together so well. Yeah, I really like that dynamic. And, I mean, Hilary Duff plays Hilary Duff. I would Is that, that fair to say? That might be the thing that is kind of so strange about this film is that she is in many ways a progressive character in that it does take the legally blonde um, sort of structure and flip it in that instead of going to a Ivy League college to get a man, she meets a man while she's trying to get into an Ivy League college, yeah. if you see what I mean. And also, although um, obviously it's Cinderella, so there's an arc where she kind of goes through a transformation, that transformation... Um, that kind of aesthetic transformation is just for one night. It's not yeah. a uh, permanent thing that changes who she is. She yeah. stays the same person throughout. She doesn't, like, change um, her social circles and try and get in with the cool girls or anything. No. There's no kind of motivation by her to change who sh- her identity to um, get the boy. If anything, she just ends up reasserting it in a really, like... And the, Say what you will, the male the character, is, yeah. if anything, is the one that has and to that's kind what of... what I really liked in, in the rewatch was that um, that was subverted because he was the weak one, ultimately, and she had to teach... She had to school him and, and raise him out of his world, which is the opposite of Cinderella. So Hilary Duff, um, who plays uh, Sam Montgomery, <laughs> uh, which is such a classic name. It's very um, uh, androgynous. Yeah, Samantha slash Sam... Um, she's not called Cinderella, funnily enough, but she um, is. She's she's obviously very smart. Um, she's a straight A student. She, she plays baseball. She's like morally untouchable. She's such a clean character. Everything she does is for other people. Do you know yeah. what I mean? There's. I did think about that in the movie. Was that? It's funny. Is that a Hilary Duff like PR move? Does she not play bad characters because? Her character was so relentlessly good. She's the all-American girl. And she is a striking-looking girl. Yeah. You know, she isn't your typical Shelby, which is the name of the hot girl in this movie. Very classic name. 
You know what? She's not. Um, but I did think because the the premise that she is, you know, plain looking or like not right. noticeable. Obviously, you are like, well, I mean, if she was in my school, she would have been the prettiest girl yeah, in the year. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do weirdly think it works that yeah. she could go under the radar. Especially because she's always wearing like such low key clothing and not drawing attention to herself and running from school to the diner where she's an indentured servant for her stepmother. So 2004 was definitely like the year, one of Hilary Duff's peak years. Yeah. She, was, she was starring in Lizzie McGuire. I think the Lizzie McGuire movie maybe came a few years after, wow. a year or two. Um, but she was, you know, she was America's on sweetheart. the front cover of like Teen Vogue yeah. or whatnot. She was, yeah, America's Sweetheart. And it was also peak time for her male co-star, Chad Michael Murray, obviously appearing in One Tree Hill. And it's so sad. Well, I don't actually think it is sad because I had a slight poke around at what he's up to. And so it turns out he is in, like, Riverdale and some Lifetime movies. And so he's obviously working, you know, to keep things going. A working actor. A working actor. But he also co-authored a true crime book. And I honestly think, and I think this is why I was so obsessed with him, partly because of this movie, that the the character he plays of being, like, just the best-looking man I've ever seen, but somehow really quite intelligent, introspective, and a bit, like, more intellectual, is actually probably more what he is like in real life, because Mm. I think he didn't want that level of stardom, because he surely could have had it. Right. He was almost like the proto Zac Efron yes. in a way and Zac Efron embraced that yeah. hard but I don't know if I always believe in this film that he is this wordsmith oh no <laughs> partly because he's so beautiful mm. and I think that's something that probably hindered him maybe he just didn't get serious roles so we've gone through the cast list. I mean there's a few other people in there we have there are some people that pop up Simon Helberg plays Terry, who is basically a precarnation of his Big Bang Theory character, right? Yes. It's so much like him. He's basically running around, banging on about this planet, Zion. One of my favourite scenes in the movie is connected to his hobby, so uh, let's not say too more, much more about it. And it's good to see him. We have her best friend, who's this method actor <laughs> who likes... <laughs> You know, to, he's into show tunes oh, and he's also very good at algebra. Uh, is that Carter? Carter, yeah. yeah played by name. He's played by Dan Bird. And Dan Bird, he hasn't really been in too much else is of he a notoriety. Or no. He was in Easy A. Okay. Classic. Um, Cougar Town. And he was in Cougar Town. So I think maybe. Oh, that looks like a selfie on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> never it? a good sign. I don't want to like. He is. Maybe in, he's just found something he prefers, you know? He is in the upcoming American adaptation of Utopia, which is based on a Channel 4 series, which is really um, a really good TV series. Is that which, the one where they get these powers? No. No, it's, it's like this Wes Anderson y, David Lynch y uh, TV series where basically a group of people uh become like hunted by this mysterious um Pedophile. kind of cia type oh, group right. and they have to put together all these secrets like it went very much under the radar but right. 
that apparently it's being remade. So that's really good. He's in uh, Kimmy, an episode of Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, interesting. For just one episode. So he obviously is as well a working actor, but he didn't really... Maybe he married well. Mm, maybe. But... Maybe he married Shelby. Interesting dynamic here that her best friend in the film is, you know, a heterosexual guy. Like, that's something that I don't yeah. think is... I've seen that much. But I think that and Maybe in still, Lizzie McGuire that I is a setup. I think that was to emphasise her tomboyishness and that's why she's called sam is to be like look she isn't your typical princess because they play baseball together and she's good he just like the balls just fly at her and she hits him so we should maybe start with the beginning because it starts like a fairy tale you know like the beginning of shrek oh once upon a time and we're introduced to this story where her mum obviously passed away so it's just her and her dad and her dad is a super cool... They don't give much um, explanation to her mum. They don't give much explanation to her dad dying. Yes. Um, But, so we're introduced to her being a single parent with her dad. Yeah, Yeah, she's in a single parent household. Her dad runs a a successful local business. He has a really cute saying that is, never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. Which is like a motif in the movie. Um... And his diner's very, like, old-school bustling by the looks of things. Um, I assume he's good to his employers. Yeah, they em- seem to love employees, him. Employees, sorry. Uh, and then he meets a woman. Very conveniently, they walk into each other. Yeah, she, like, falls on top of him. Yeah. And it's Jennifer Coolridge in a kind of frump outfit. Yes. Which is funny, because, like, well... What you'll remember of her from this film, if you've seen it, is not this image of, like, a librarian. No, she plays new money so well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe slightly insulting, but she just plays... It's a, it's a caricature. The idea... I just... I genuinely believe she was someone that had recently come into a lot of money yeah. and was spending it on whatever she wanted. Yeah. Like, and oh, I, I, I was here her. for it, yeah. but... um. So they meet in this this very convenient fashion, and a it's a whirlwind, yeah, a whirlwind, a whirlwind, a whirlwind romance. Um, then ensues, and she has two daughters who fill the role of the quote ugly sisters. <laughs> and actually, neither of these girls is actually particularly ugly, but they're definitely made into like buffoonish characters in this movie. Yeah. I felt quite bad for them actually. I don't think they would have got good roles off the back of this. No. And I And they're probably better actors than Hilary Duff. I also think them even though their mum in this film spends a lot of money on them and gives them a lot of material goods, I don't necessarily feel like she's a good she's not a good mother. No. She doesn't teach them good moral lessons or but it does make a really funny couple of scenes yes um and so then um unfortunately or very tragically uh sam's dad dies and he dies just after he's finished reading her um a fairy tale which is a really important flashback actually and kind of sad for her that this memory must be so imprinted on her mind because of what happens but he's reading her Cinderella, I assume, and ending it saying, oh, and then she married the prince and blah, blah. And he was like, well, you've got to remember, Sam, that marrying the prince isn't always the end of the story. Like, you need to go to college and, like, 
make a life yourself. Like, very good advice, to be honest. Quite outside of the zeitgeist, I would say, at the time. Yes, and fairy tales aren't just about marrying princes. They're about fulfilling dreams, as I believe. I mean, it's quite... Yeah, that, I wrote that down as well. It's quite vague. It's a, quite a hokey saying, you know, it's a bit... But then she says, where do the princesses go to college, Daddy? And like any parent or if you've ever looked after a kid and then you've had to like bullshit like this you know this feeling when you're like oh god i don't fucking know for as discerning and intelligent we're made to believe sam is she also keeps this lie that her dad made up on the spot with her like forever (laughs) it becomes becomes her motivation (laughs) for the whole film but then i guess we can't judge her trauma well, so maybe him telling... So basically, princes go to Princeton. And yes, so, he goes, oh, where are the princes go? To Princeton! Which is not necessarily good great, save. more no, or less. No, it's a good save, but, well... Like, go where the men go. Yeah, but I think he means, like, the other royals. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I read into it, but I was like, I can see how, as a young girl, that message would get imprinted in your mind. Like, Princeton, Princeton, Princeton. I mean... Because then it becomes she wants to go to Princeton, which is, like, one of the best schools in the country, right? I don't know... I know it. We don't know what she wants to study particularly. Well, in America, I think they have a bit more choice because they don't have to choose their major to nice like second year. It's a shame it's so expensive. Yes, and I don't know if Princeton how. Also, half the story wouldn't have had to happen if college wasn't so expensive in America. Very true. It does. It does show the plight of the American the poor and the education. Yeah. <laughs> so. Princeton, I don't think, is necessarily like Harvard level, but it's Ivy League. So yeah, it's, it's a really it's, good it's school. A really and good I think school. it would be the best for some things that it does. So her dad died in the 1994, I've done my research, 1994 <laughs> Northridge earthquake. Did which, anybody die in that? Um, yes, oh, there, there were deaths. Um, how many people died? 57. Okay, so it's feasible if they were right near the epicenter. It is feasible because uh, there are 87,000 people injured. I don't know to what degree, but it's a lot of people. It affects a lot of people. But it did happen at 4.30 a.m. Now, in the story, <laughs> he's reading her a bedtime story. So I don't know why he, she's maybe having a story. Maybe had a big night out as a family. Mm, she but Maybe that, she was like an insomniac like you what happens because the house starts shaking and by the way he dies but the house doesn't fall down anyway doesn't he go outside to check something well, and then he, he goes, dies when he's outside what he does is run out because his step his wife her stepmom Eva stepmom says like help me I'm scared come here so he basically in that moment chooses to go after the evil stepmom through that choice is then dead so I think that's quite like a big thing to put in the audience's mind quite early on to, and to sit with because you're like, he literally died, this woman, and she's so awful. And mm. like, we don't know what happened, how she reeled him in, if she was pretending to be someone else because you could tell she... She caused the earthquake, <laughs> who knows? I, I started questioning that at one point and then I realised how ridiculous that was. But what if she... It seems suspicious to me that he would just die. Anyway... I will let her off the hook because she gets her comeuppance in, in, within the realm of possibility of this movie. And on that very note, we're then told that her dad tragically died, that there was no will left. So, it But he did leave her with the parting message that her fairy tale book is very important. Yes, which is 
very ominous and yeah. not very specific. Yeah, but and he, he didn't give very direct guidance. It was vague. Always. To to be fair, I did think at this point in the film, why didn't he leave the will? But I mean, who? Not many people probably leave wills when their child is like seven. Like, yeah, he um, just started. You his should new do life with a new wife. Everyone, get your wills. Yeah, in. no, I have to advise you to do that. But at the same time, a lot of people aren't thinking that far ahead and don't know an earthquake's going to hit. So yeah, and they can't afford to just pay a lawyer to do a will when they don't feel like it's imminently. Ne- do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. going to be on the top of their list. So yeah, it's feasible. Okay. Although so he did own a business, I feel like if you own a business, a you, successful yeah. business, yeah. But it doesn't matter because whatever happens, we're told, like you say, he's died tragically. She has to move into this like attic. And I read some trivia online about her having Harry Potter books. Um, And it says, Harry Potter lived in a closet under the stairs, which is similar to Sam living in the attic, and both characters lost their parents. And so there's supposed to be this sort of kind of nod to Harry Potter. I can see that. I can see how this is, you know, the original Harry Potter audiences are going to be growing up. as It probably came out, I think it came out similar time to... Goblet films, of Fire, yeah, yeah because Rupert Grint was meant to play Austin. And Goblet of no, Fire, Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban, okay. But um, that kind of transitionary period is when Harry Potter becomes more like a teen film series rather than when they're children in the first two. Um, so it's quite appropriate to go for that audience. Yeah. Um, as I mean, you were probably part of that audience. Definitely, I guess. yeah, 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 and and her. Ugly stepsisters are um, the Dudley Dursley level of mean. Yeah, so there's a lot of similarities. And I mean, it's quite a um, back and forth history because I'm sure uh, J.K. Rowling was inspired by Cinderella Cinderella herself. Wow, meta. Meta. (laughs) But I did think on that note. So she moves into supposed squalor. (laughs) I mean... I have an attic room similar to Sam's and I would say a lot of people when they see my room comment on how it's a nice room and I don't know if that's just because I live in the squashed metropolis of London that (laughs) that gives me a nice room but because it's spacious in in comparison but looking at the size of her house and the fact they have a swimming pool I think that is a really small room in that house Mm. and it didn't have much like about it so you can imagine that the sisters are going to have, like, Regina George-level, like, poopy couches, frills everywhere. She does have a computer in her room, though, which I don't know how common that was. But maybe that computer's older than we think it is. That's... Maybe it was meant to look so shit. Because the computer looks bad. It does, but I remember computers looking like that in 2000. Yeah, true. But she doesn't have a lap... She doesn't like she has a MacBook, like, in Legally Blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But obviously she is... It's, we're supposed to think that she's fallen on hard times because yeah. she's. you see her taking like a small box up and she's in an attic room which is cluttered with rubbish. So um, she obviously isn't being treated very well. No. And then as we go into present day, I, which I assume is 2004, yeah. uh, we get this very green <laughs> uh, garden, um, this very LA kind of setting. Yeah. Um, ver- San Fernando Valley is San Fernando are, Valley yeah. you know I'm thinking like Beverly Hills vibes it's it's sprinklers on the lawn yeah. and as we learn Simple. there is which becomes quite important in the plot actually there is a drought happening yeah, yeah. it's um, 
taking a pathetic fallacy to like a whole nother level of this movie. Yes. Um, as the weather kind of shadows our protagonist's narrative. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's it's quite, quite intense, to be honest. I think, subtly, this movie's got more to offer than the critic's first thought. Maybe. Well, <laughs> maybe. But then we have her, um, her two sis- stepsisters. They are avid swimmers apparently or um what's it called like synchronized swimming they're trying to learn they're amateur and very much um not yet synchronized swimmers uh and they're very slapstick these guys are like the shakespearean uh light relief Mm. you know they're like the two goons that come on uh, including the mum i suppose and offer up the scenes of like oh my god these idiots and they've got an instructor who's like clearly just ripping them off Yes, they have no, I'd say they have literally no depth no. to them. And like, in comparison to any of the other characters, and I wouldn't say the other characters have much depth, <laughs> but they are like as one dimensional as you can yeah, be. Yeah, so they're called Brianna and Gabriella, which I don't know if those are like, kind of what the original ugly stepsisters names are. I, I think they are something poncy. Mm. But um, so they're in the pool practicing, looking ridiculous. Um, and Jennifer Coolridge is by the side of the pool, you know, lounging. With her salmon diet. And she calls up Sam being like, it's breakfast time. So we're immediately thrown into this world where Sam is basically an indentured servant. Because <laughs> what I don't understand is, if she's been working like a slave at this diner since she was uh, however old, she should have savings to, to take her to college. Because yeah. she doesn't do anything else with her money. But I, I'm, I'm worried she's not getting paid. I think that the setup that I believed was that her stepmother was saying, you work for me and then we'll put that into an account for your college fund. But that, so she wasn't directly getting the money. But Jennifer Coolidge consistently takes handfuls of cash out of the, the, <laughs> the um, till in the diner and shoves it in her bra. Yes, yes, but I think that might be the that might be what Sam believes is happening because she why would she keep working? Yeah, yeah, there? yeah. Because she's meant to be smart. Let's all remember yeah. she's meant <laughs> to be smart. Right. So but she's presented as a hardworking, smart girl. To be fair, she's working, she's studying, she wants to go to Princeton. I think she has a lot of humility and is. I think she's like a good like natured person yeah. who wants to work hard i don't know how discerning she is i'll she's be honest obviously not realized that she's being used as a slave but sh- surely the people around her i mean she there are points where it's commented on yeah. by people and and it's true that like the thing is she does try and follow people's advice and so basically her stepmother has her working all day all night like cinderella shockingly and so she has to bring this woman her breakfast, which is a plate of salmon. She's on a salmon diet, <laughs> yep. There's a lot of references in this film to women and food and Plastic eating surgery. and um, basically having kind of Body eating dysmorphia. disorders, yeah, which is used as like the butt of a joke, the joke a lot no, of time. You, it's maybe you don't remember, but that is how things were. Yes, but... And it's, it's it is just strange. a really common theme throughout, which is really notable. Noticeable yeah. that like now food is, yeah, and attitudes to food, um, even meals, really which role. I'm always hailing. Yeah, it's very got a lot of those jokes in. 
I mean, um, one of the whole plot lines of Mean Girls is about that. The So the diner, I don't know what you felt about it, but I feel like we're almost led to believe, like... She's running it into the ground. She's like, she, okay, maybe financially, but, like, I actually really like her interior design. Yeah, me too, but I think we're supposed to think the crusty old man look is better. Mm, yeah. Because it's more simple and authentic, whereas hers is, like, really lurid. But I find it very trendy. Yeah, the role of Maybe it's just because that was, like, 2004, like, fake bougie new money. Mm. And now that's come back again in a satirical way as, like, a trend for students. So true. Like, that kind of hot pink Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Very, like, I'm wearing this knowing the connotations and saying they don't exist anymore, whereas... She's literally wearing those dresses and feathery kimono things. And oh, I don't know, people who are the similar age to me will remember all you could ever have wanted was that baby pink in an outfit with those little shoes with the fluff on. It was like everything had to be as girly as possible, but it's quite infantilizing when you think about it, which is odd given the other things that Fiona decides to invest in with her newfound wealth from her dead husband's lack of will so we're also introduced to the other characters at this point who work in the diner so we have uh, regina king's character um Rhonda. Rhonda, and a few other kind of people who work yeah there. there's a very dyspraxic woman on a pair of rollerblades the rollerblades really um did trigger me like the idea of having to work <laughs> in those no i i i think that would probably be made yeah easier. i mean there were a lot of points in the film where i thought either social services should intervene here or health and safety but then i thought this is america yeah they might not have any rights i don't know how i don't think their social service system is very good from what i've heard so no i agree um yeah i don't think we can apply our experience in the uk to the realm the San Fernando Valley. Especially if you're like a wealthy business owner, mm. I think you can kind of do what you want. But yeah, so we're not really sure. It's been a while since the dad died, so I don't really understand how she's managed to keep the diner going. Well, when it's because of Rhonda. Beca- well, yeah, so yeah. What, we, what we learn is apparently it's because of Rhonda because all the customers love her. Yeah. And so Rhonda was obviously close with Sam's dad. She's like a kind of mother figure slash best friend figure. Yeah, she is. And she is excellent. She does fill the role of both, like, the kind of sassy black um, companion, yeah. friend, but also, and I think we we touched on this in another podcast, like, the kind of spiritual guide. Yeah. Because she feels, she later fills the role of the fairy godmother. Yes, because she transforms Sam in the evening into her, you know. But she plays the role excellently. Yeah. And she brings... I love her and Jennifer Coolidge together. Their comedy, their back and forth with each other, like, is actually surprisingly entertaining. And I wonder if that was one of the things that maybe kept me coming back to that movie even more than Chad Michael Murray or, like, on top of it. I don't know. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, within the diner, I, uh, I noted one of the twins when they were um, in the pool. And, and this leads to a great line from Jennifer Coolidge because she... Basically, they're in a drought. They're meant to be conserving water. And she's got the sprinklers on. They're, like, attacking Sam as she's trying to leave. And uh, she says, she starts turning them off, saying, Fiona, we're in a drought, we're in a drought. And Fiona says, 
people who use extra water have extra class and then drops like the salmon on her chest and tries to eat it and I just thought that was just brilliant like but um, yeah one of the sisters says I have a, a spastic colon yeah. and I was like oh wow that would not be in a movie now that is also after her flatulence in the maybe she colon. has IBS and like she is free to call that what she wants but if she hasn't been diagnosed then I don't think she should be saying these things no I'm just I'm literally kidding yeah I do think the term spastic might have had been more like medically used in 2003 than 2003 than it is I think it was the peak of using it as a cuss oh okay if I remember school correctly um <laughs> and then this huge guy comes into the diner and Rhonda serves him and he says I'll have like literally everything on the menu and a Diet Coke because I'm watching my weight and Rhonda says why it ain't going nowhere <laughs> classic line that's one bit of the film that like i really remember yeah yeah me too it came back to me i always remember that bit nothing Rhonda says like doesn't make me go have a little chuckle you know she just delivers line after line bam 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 yeah um and another very funny part of the film which i don't think anybody well the film kind of weirdly dealt with it in a fairly woke way so Sam turns up to pick up her actor buddy for school, Carter. And as we're introduced to them, he leaves the house dressed in a ridiculous outfit. Um, Sam, do you want to explain what mm. caused his look? So he describes it as like a, as a Snoop Doggy Dog look, I believe. <laughs> Snoop Dizzle. Snoop Dizzle, that's the one. And uh, she obviously recognizes this moment of cultural appropriation um I, we might be giving her a <laughs> bit too much why else would she say he can't go to school dressed like that she makes him go and get changed which is what a good friend should do i think that she might she would have just been a bit embarrassed <laughs> yeah he him. does look like a dork i don't know i think there are quite a lot there are many parts in the film where she is quite mean to him yeah that's oh that you heard that as me and i was like good friend gone girl yeah maybe not just that bit i, I feel like she she's a bit harsh <laughs> i don't know he truth bombs he he but really cares but he really cares about her he's a good guy <laughs> i wouldn't make out with him at a halloween party put it that no way. i mean that was all very strange <laughs> we'll get that yeah so um so yeah, he comes out, and while she's waiting for him to go and get changed into something hopefully uh, less offensive, um, <laughs> her, the dad, his dad, who's cleaning his prize car, tells Sam a man's best friend is his Mercedes, which kind of phys- physically sent a chill through me because I just thought, horrible. That's not surely that's not true. I think it is in some parts of you know our culture. <laughs> it's just awful. Imagine, like, that car can't give you any love. That's definitely, like... Unless you're an autophile. I definitely think that is, like, an American dream, suburban kind of aspiration. Your car is is your wagon. It's your... Thing that you put all this effort into and stand there cleaning in the morning. Yeah, it's your pride. Um, Maybe that's not something we really relate to. It's nice as you can drive. I (laughs) I literally wrote, um, good thing she makes him change. Oh, and then another character we get introduced to as they enter school is the punky, um, 
pundit commentator. Yeah, I don't I know like many her. schools that have a commentator. I also very much like this character. I feel like she. Have you seen Sex Education? Yeah. I feel like she. They've ripped her off. Remind, yeah, of Maeve. Yeah, yeah. 100%. She has got mega Maeve vibes. And she's just calling everybody out, basically. But it's great. And then uh, I said... I like how they have their own internal radio station at their school. I feel like this is something that happened in a lot of teen American films of the time. Well, I was going to bring that up because I was going to say, even this whole scene coming into the school, and it's like so reminiscent of Clueless. And I don't know, does Sam get a scholarship to the school? Because it feels like a nice school. Yeah, and Clueless is similar. Like, it's in the area. Area, yeah. And so I was thinking, they created this whole vision for us of what an American high school is like. But can you imagine how disappointing it was to turn up in English school and be like, wow, there's, there's more nuns and a lot less banter and no sun. <laughs> Where are the football fields? Where's the baseball machine that I can play on my own? And where are the... I mean, I did eventually get lockers, and they were just such a disappointment yeah. to what I thought lockers yeah. were going to be. I never decorated no. my locker. I never... Never weed in there. No. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. It was lockers, like but kind of the cleats, like, you know, where are the... But at the same the time, jocks? I think it was good in a way, and the way that sex education actually represents quite well, in that that... That whole cliqueiness wasn't there as much. Like there was definitely still cliques, but I think in an English school, everybody could be the object of humiliation and mm. teasing at any time. Like people won't hold back a laughing at you, That's no true. matter how popular you're supposed to be. Whereas I think in America, like look how in this film the male character got away with the social public uh, assassination of his character. Whereas the female was like so relegated because she was already a nerd. To be fair, my sixth form experience was actually not close to this film, but I was Sam. No, um, <laughs> my sixth form experience was really similar to like really? an American high school cliquey environment. Interesting. Like, really similar. Um, in a def- way or a bad way? Bad. But <laughs> not. But you see, American people talk about high school and they look visibly traumatized. Yeah, like. And I, we don't necessarily have that same. Like, a lot of people here loved school. Mm, they're weird. Do you think <laughs> I'm, I'm in a privileged bubble? I don't. I, I don't think <laughs> I miss it. there well, are parts it, of school I I loved, but I definitely would never. I would. You'd have to pay me a lot of money to go into that environment ever again. I really despised it, but I mean, I didn't. My like lower secondary school, like my lower school, wasn't like this at all. It was a single sex school. Right. But like my sixth form experience was very much like these are the performing arts kids these are the jocks you like this is the i think it's because they rebuilt your school yeah i don't know if maybe part of it was the manifestation of yeah. my generation growing up i think it could be i think there's these. a way in which you guys actually created that reality by watching too much disney channel but like the kind of scandals that would happen at my school were like quite evocative of teen dramas like and um, people sticking up posters of like memes they'd made <laughs> of like embarrassing things that had happened or like I don't know, people putting up pictures wow. of, like, I, I feel like, someone doing drunken antics or, like, rumours spreading and, like... I feel like my year were a bit more tune-in, drop-out kind of thing. Mm, I I didn't necessarily feel a part I of it. I guess we didn't have the internet so powerfully or, like, Netflix. We had, like, fake Twitter accounts set up to troll people. It was, wow. like, mad. I mean, there was that stuff, but it was, like, kind of people who didn't have 
weren't popular enough to have friends with you on the internet too much. Mm, okay. We've, obviously, we had MSN, but like at, by the time it was sixth form, when you could go out drinking, nobody wants to sit on MSN all night. No, but I think I went to school as we had like all of these things on Instagram. our phones. We we arrived at the school. Sam and Carter miss out on a, a space because the cool kids take it and say, "I'm sorry, you have to be cool to park in here," which is just so mean. But Shelby Cummings, which is the name. They've got great names. So the two most popular good-looking people are Shelby Cummings and Austin Ames, who do just sound like porn star actors. Um, and Shelby is beautiful. Um, Austin is also beautiful. What did you think? I, I just thought, you know, they were very 2000 and fit of them. Yes. Austin had that kind of glow that you... I, I haven't seen since those Hollister bags. Maybe it's like radioactive around One Tree Hill. I yeah, I'm not entirely sure what his skincare routine stuff is. I'm I like I like the hairstyle. I'm I, I, I actually I, had time for that. Yeah, but I think he's got good hair. Yeah. Um. I. You know what? He he's a handsome guy. I think he's quite young in this. Yeah. So I I would I would feel a bit uncomfortable being like he was. I think he was like younger than eighteen. No way. Definitely. That's crazy. That's so what? young. He's like 38 now. Okay, maybe he wasn't young, but he definitely looked young. Yeah, no, it's true. They all they, look they well, all They all look young, except Shelby kind of didn't, but she did look young, but she looked like she'd been in a fight. Or like she had this eyebrow that was just incredible. I wish I could do that with my eyebrow. Oh, yeah, he was he was 23, so it's okay. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, yeah, we also bump into Terry, the Big Bang Theory guy, who's got taking a call from Zion. Um, so we get that he's obsessed with Sam and wants to talk to her, but he's also the guy from the Big Bang Theory, so. Um, and we get introduced to the fact that Sam has a secret text relationship, which, if, if you did grow up in this time, oh, this scene is evocative. And how innocent the texts were, I thought was so cute. Now it's all send nudes. <laughs> was before you could, you'd have to pay like hundreds of pounds to send an image. Yeah, so, yeah. so everyone <laughs> had to write nice things. But I, no, I was slightly flummoxed by this, I have to be honest, because... You don't remember this. I don't remember a time where it was normal to message someone you didn't know over text while knowing they went to your school like I mean, the setup just seems so ridiculous but maybe maybe it had 3500 people in it okay they needed max and and nave neve yeah. from uh catfish yeah because yeah you're i right. think now and now you would call because why wouldn't you just come and say hi to my face but i think at the time because of the way the internet was seen mm-hmm. it was like we can really be ourselves here. And, and they've obviously had a conversation where they're like, oh, or they haven't wanted to take it that step further yet. We didn't actually know how long they've been talking, I don't think. That's true. It could have only been a couple of weeks. I think this film would have made a bit more sense if they'd made it clear that like this was the beginning of school after the end of the summer holidays. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was a bit they cut out. But it was that obviously would, summer because there was a drought. That would make a lot of sense yeah. if they just got back from their summer holidays and they'd been messaging all summer. Yeah. However, what I was thinking was that nowadays I think it's really quite strange to be anonymous over the internet. Yeah, like yeah. No but one back then it was romantic. Exactly, like no one does it because also if you're on dating apps, like... I know so many people who had relationships with people they never even planned to meet up with or they'd 
or then they'd meet up after like three years of being MySpace girlfriend and boyfriend and hate each other. Oh my god. Yeah, and this is common. This is commonplace. I think now that if you meet over a dating app or whatever, like you it's have because to now have a Tinder profile. has the like geo, so you can narrow your, you can find someone literally next to you. And like you have to connect it before they were connecting Facebook based on their interests. So it's through a pub, it's through a personal profile. Like they've met because they're interested in Princeton. Yeah. On MySpace, people used to meet for a common interest now they meet because of proximity and i think that really changes and devalues so they um for the listeners knowledge uh they met on uh <laughs> they met on a forum where they were talking they both were hopefully hopefuls for princeton so they were both prospective like the student room yes so they were both prospective princeton students and <laughs> i guess th- tell I, me what you think of their that's usernames. believable um, what, okay, could you remind me of their so, username? So, um, Hilary Duffs was a very predictable Princeton girl. Yes. And, uh, Chad's was Nomad, which I thought was very deep. Nomad would have been taken. I don't believe that I think it was, like, Nomad 13, <laughs> Okay. Though. But, yeah, it had, like, a zero for the O in Nomad. And it was very, you know, new internet, like, yeah. newbie, but also very, um, deep. Yeah. I'm such a nomad. I've lived my whole life surrounded by people, but I still feel that no one understands me. That kind of, like, whimsical, no one understands me vibe. Well, and I felt that they made a real good pun on it, because basically that we get introduced to, we hear more, we see it happening with her on the phone, and then we see her and Carter discuss it while they're playing baseball. And she says, oh, he wants to meet me at the dance at 11, but, oh, can I go, can I go? And Carter says, you've got to go. Stop acting like Fiona's slave. This nomad guy isn't going to be in one place for too long. Which, if, yeah, if you realise, it's actually quite funny. I, it's quite interesting how they update the original Cinderella tale. Yeah. Um, to have the two protagonists actually be in some contact before they first meet. Yeah. Because in Cinderella, they meet first at the ball. Exactly, so yeah. It gives a bit more exposition yeah he sends her a poem which i thought was kind of creepy and she's like oh you're quoting tennyson so they're both just showing off how clever they are um but i i also wrote down even the way he says you're welcome is hot because chad she hits the ball and it goes flying past um chad and his mate and they're like oh my god did that little girl throw that oh and then he throws it back she says thanks and he says you're welcome and honestly even the way he said that i was like but now I know he's only 23 (sighs) although I was like 10 or 12 or something when I was obsessed with this movie so Um, I love the bit where and I don't know why this made me laugh so much but Sam types (laughs) lol and she goes (laughs) laugh out loud (laughs) (laughs) laughing out loud (laughs) 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 and then um, the I've written down she's gaslighting her. I assume I was talking about her stepmom because I felt like she did do some gaslighting of her in this movie, as did the Austin's dad do of him. Yeah. And they both had these parents that were like proper helicopter parents, but like I guess Sam's stepmom, it was born out of the fact that she's obviously jealous of Sam and hates her, whereas and perhaps knows she's secretly squandering Sam's fortune, whereas Austin's dad had like such high ambitions but he was too narrow-minded to see out of what he thought there's a really really like depressing bit when sam 
comes back to tell Fiona that she can't work tonight because she's going to go to the ball because everybody else in her life has convinced her you've got to go. And this is the one time as well that she properly stands up to her, yeah. not like, oh, I have these tests which are really important. Yeah. Okay, I'll go to the diner. Yeah, that I did think, oh, come on. <laughs> but and um, also like, I know she wants to meet this guy. Although she is at but school But for some reason, every everybody's day. like, now's the time to tell Fiona yeah. to stop it. Because there could be a guy. So Fiona says to her, listen, Sam, I know you're getting really stressed out about school and about going to this dance, but I need to tell you something, and I really should have said it a long time ago. You're not very pretty, and you're not very bright. And that moment stuck with me so long in that film, because I was just always thinking... Like, she is gaslighting her. Like, she is both pretty and we're supposed to believe bright. And, like, she's just literally lying to her to keep her within her control. And it's so mean because I'm pretty sure Hilary Duff knows it's not true. But to still have to hear that, oh, It's, yeah, it's horrible. So after that, they go to the diner where she's got to now work. And Fiona and Rhonda have a right, hilarious have, back and forth. Have you written down the same Betty Crocker? Yeah. <laughs> so Fiona is um, stealing money from the till and stuffing it into her bra. And Rhonda says, oh, you still got room in there, huh? And then Fiona says, you ghetto Betty Crocker. She, no, she says, oh, if it isn't little Betty Crocker from the hood. <laughs> then poor Sam has to go and serve popular people who at school who've just sat down in the diner so shelby et al austin um his two bros who are just like boneheaded idiots yeah one of them crab is, and goyle they're, they're the crab and goyle they're the goons and one of them really reveals himself to be a massive misogynistic mm -hmm. asshole but we'll get there surprise surprise yeah surprise surprise um but yeah, so she has to go over. And here's where another one of those comments comes in because one of the girls is like, I already ate. And the guy goes, Ugh, Madison, laxatives don't count as a food. Yeah. Which I was like, Dude, people get addicted to laxatives though. That's dangerous. They can die. Yeah. And I know we'll talk about this later, but there is this whole narrative from Austin's character that Sam is different because she eats what she wants and like something yeah. like that. Even though, I mean, like, she is obviously... No, let's be like, serious. Austin's character is kind of an arsehole. Yeah. And it's it's like this idea he that... He doesn't have one, really, but he also only talks about himself and can't yeah. even see that the girl he's supposedly in love with is walking past him because mm. he's so self -involved. We'll get onto the mask. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and the believability But yeah, of so Austin wants to have a difficult conversation with Shelby. He's aired it with the friends earlier and they've said it's a bad idea, but he goes for it anyway and he says, Shelby, can we talk? Anything you can say in front of my peeps. Anything you say so to you me. Can, you can say, anything you say to me, you can say in front of my peeps. Which is <laughs> such a timepiece. My peeps. Like, my peeps. That was... That was a phrase we, I There's used. so much funny slang in this yeah. that I might... Oh my God, that's so funny. People my used peeps. to talk like that. Um, and then he tries to break up with her um, and she won't have it. So she says to him, I'm going to overlook this mental breakdown of yours and I'll see you at the dance. Okay? And I was like, gaslighting again. <laughs> like she's literally told him, no, we're not broken up. Yeah. And so Sam is has to serve these annoying Have you ever had to serve people you knew? So, yeah, it was a bit triggering, actually, because I worked in um, a 
burger kitchen. A, fa- yeah. a famous burger chain. Well, it's not <laughs> actually that famous anymore. Cause, um, a failing burger chain. A failing chain. burger chain. And yeah, I had moments where I was like, oh no, I literally can't not go and serve these people and I like, know them from school or whatnot. It's such a horrible yeah, feeling. It's horrible. You know, I I don't mind serving annoying, rude people, but when there are people that you, you went I don't want to have with, to judge them on how they treat their people in serving them in hospitality, because I will. Because if they treat me badly or they treat myself badly, I'm just my image of them is now forever changed. Yeah, and I might never have gone out to dinner with them and noticed that otherwise. So I guess maybe it's a good thing in a way because I do think you can learn a lot about people of how they treat serving stuff and this movie definitely demonstrates that. But also just being in a technically servile position Immediately, to someone yeah. who you might not necessarily like and, yeah. I don't know, they might no, not I know be that exactly nice to you or whatever. That's just the worst feeling ever. But, I mean, luckily I'd say that's one thing that's good about not being a teenager anymore yeah, is that you don't have is. those situations like maybe some people do but you but tend to be able to negate them nav- navigate them yeah. and negate your own you know wh- whatever power dynamic you're in- insecure about in that situation and also i very few adults act like her annoying school friend um, well as Rhonda is. says those kids remind me of why i used to fight in school which, you know, just goes to show she really is the ghetto Betty Crocker, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and at this point, the movie takes a turn, so the cool kids kind of fuck off because they all just fell out. <laughs> um, and then Carter turns up in his costume for the ball. Zorro. Have no fear. Zorro, I say. Well, uh, this, that's all well and good, right? But this led to a really... Uh, funny part of the movie for me which is when they start interrogating Sam about her as Rhonda calls them love notes they're not love notes they're emails <laughs> <laughs> and that really made me laugh And but I was like you know though she's right because that's exactly what I thought about those texts when I thought I can't believe he's written such nice things in a text and she says if he's taken his time to write down his feelings it's a love note and there really was I know you don't remember it a time <clears throat> oh gosh sorry when you were seeing somebody where you might email each other long lovey-dovey things that you wanted to say to each I'm sure there's, like, boomers still do it. That's... Was that over MSN? Mm, or MSN or, like, mail. like your Hotmail, yeah. Um, or uh, <clears throat> text, but, like, because you obviously used to have to pay per text. And if they ran over, you'd have to pay extra. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the love notes... Um, and Carter gets a little bit too enthusiastic about the way that Rhonda is calling um, Sam to account about the fact she needs to make her own bliss, in inverted commas, which is a very 2020 phrase, um, or 2019 phrase, I should say. And he just keeps trying to, like, uh, hype man her and be like, yeah, you go, girlfriend. <laughs> She's, like, not She's having not it. She's not having it, not at all. <laughs> which I thought was just, like... I can't imagine that Regina King would have gone along with that anyway. No. But I do wonder if they wrote that in or if she was like, um... (laughs) I think it also shows the buffoonery of his character because his whole thing is, I'm a method actor, (laughs) but his his performing in that little bit to try and impersonate a sassy black woman wasn't good. Yeah, nor was his Snoop Dizzle look or his cowboy look. (laughs) Maybe he just needs to pack it all in. Uh, 
um, yeah, so then I said, cue a montage. So what happens is we have a Halloween costume montage. Woo! Amazing. Um, and then uh, Sam gives Rhonda this really weird compliment when she's in her house, which is, Rhonda, you sure do have oh. a knack for taking something simple and making it beautiful. I wrote the same thing down. Did you find that a bit, like, backhanded? I... I think it plays into a narrative in this which is slightly problematic, which kind of, it comes more into fruition at the end of the film. Yeah. But it's like Sam was always going to succeed because that was the life she was meant to have, but it was taken away from her. But because it's Ron- very privileged, isn't Ronda it? Ronda <laughs> was never given that privilege, so yeah. she kind of has to stay in that position. Yes, I agree. And like, I know maybe that's not exactly what happens at the end because she. There's just some sense of resolution, but I agree it's not off her own back. Yeah, in and the it, same way it really should be given. She is the driving force for much of this movie. So, like in this part of the film, Ronda um, plays the fairy godmother, basically, and there's <laughs> for some reason. They make Sam wear all sorts of costumes in the costume shop, including a, a suit of armor, yeah. a massive, is it a duck costume? Oh, it's a pig or something, yeah. Pig, um, which I, duck, yeah. I, I can't see why they f- would think she should wear that. It's so funny, isn't it? Because you never go to try on horrible, musty costumes with your mates and try on as many as possible. Yeah. You try and find the ones first that you might actually look good in. But it does create that, you know, a classic montage. No, yeah, it's true. And it's fun. And there's all sorts of one-liners in there that are very cheesy puns on, like, the costume she comes out yeah. in. I can't actually remember any of them right now. But, like, you know, they were quite cringy. But what do you expect? Yes. And then Sam then realises, not Sam, sorry, Rhonda realises when she sees the mask in the costume shop that actually... Sam will look amazing in her wedding dress. That <laughs> so she's she didn't got get some Miss Havisham situation going on, mm-hmm. apparently. And she says, That dress has been in that box so long it deserves a night out. Which, to be honest, I'd be so uncomfortable wearing some woman's wedding dress that, like, Rhonda is a beautiful woman. She is no, by no means past the point of marriage. Like, how old are we supposed to believe she is? Yeah, but to be fair, she's not got any romantic interest at the moment so in why the movie why not let sam yeah true i don't know but it's, it looks gorgeous it goes with the mask like she does look great well we don't know yet because she, the big reveal isn't Ooh. so i wrote down so we get we get to the party and there's a good track that sort of welcomes you into the party um so i did actually listen to the soundtrack of this movie on spotify did you no oh, it was very interesting no. uh, there's a few songs in this movie that like were that- very nostalgic I did know a cover of Make You Feel My Love, which I had never heard before. And I was like, I wonder if Adele watched this movie. And that's where she heard that song. Yeah, because it wasn't the Bob Dylan original. No, no, it's by somebody called Josh something. But yeah, I was impressed with that. It was a nice tune to have on in the dino. I'm assuming that's when Rhonda gets to make the choices, so we're supposed to infer that she's She's a good person. But then um, uh, there's some really bad jokes as they arrive at the ball because you see the two sisters dressed in oh God. their Siamese twin slash cat mishap outfit, yeah. which is also, I guess, almost in the vein of the Bridget Jones <laughs> and it is the like a, Yeah, Brown. it's a humiliating costume um, caper. Yes, um, and the, one of them says, are we having a cat fight? Ugh. Which... 
that we didn't need that joke. Yeah, yeah we could have done. They had a it. few lines that weren't needed. To be honest, I don't know if they're like that was someone's daughter and they just wanted to give her a part. Or mm. uh, she has they actually also, been in other things. They also did not look at all like each other. No, they were the opposite of twins. Um, but I don't know if that was supposed to be jokes in the in the Cinderella. The ugly stepsisters are meant to be like tall, skinny one. Uh, dumpy one. Yeah, that's true. They could, well, they're not identical twins. Clearly. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, so we note that the woman who commentates on school is also the DJ. So I've written, why does the school have a resident DJ? But actually, I think it's pretty cool. And I've also written that the peeps are looking amazing, meaning Shelby's peeps, uh, as referred to her earlier. They yeah, look like Victoria's Secret models. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, They look gorgeous. Honestly, all you could have wanted as a girl in 2004 especially an all-girls school, was to look just like that. It looked amazing. Um, I said the music uh, is great. I saw best day of my life and all this stuff. <laughs> Shelby says, love the dress, hate her, which is a sort of classic. Oh, women hate other women for being beautiful. Nod. And we're supposed to believe that as Sam walks down the stairs with her big reveal, as she, I mean, she looks, she does look stunning. Yeah, she looks gorgeous. But we're supposed to believe that nobody in the room recognises her, including her best friend. Yeah. Not, well, her best friend does recognise yeah. her. Yeah. But including um, the guy that she's messaging, including yeah. the girl that taunts her. Yeah, um, the, the other, the other guy that fancies her, her doesn't recognise her. Yeah, so Terry approaches her as she moves to the middle of the dance floor. And I was just thinking, that dress is going to get fucked up. I don't know if you've ever worn a long or white dress out no. to that sort of function. But you won't believe the amount of dirt that is on the floor of all those people dancing, traping in and out, spilling drinks. I can imagine. Oh, that's honestly, it was giving me such anxiety. Um, but yeah, so she, she gets to the dance floor, she goes to the middle... And Terry says, do you know you're standing in the middle of the dance floor? <laughs> and she says, Terry, you're nomad. <laughs> Which he takes to be some kind of cue to like go into a monologue about how far he's travelled to find her. But I think we are supposed to assume that he hasn't recognised her, even though he's obsessed with her in school. And then he says, please join me in the mating dance of Zion. And now it makes sense because he is dressed as someone from the Matrix. Right, yeah. And I've just written his cape snapping is incredible. Honestly, this is one of my favourite scenes of the entire movie. He does this crazy dance and I just love the fact that that actor just let go. And he obviously did very well out of this movie. Yeah, I mean, he's just played the same character. Yeah, it makes me wonder if that is him. He sees Austin. Austin comes over and she says, Austin, you're nomad. Um, but then Terry returns with the drinks and delivers another zinger and says, oh, Austin aims with the lady. A devastating blow, a worthy opponent. <laughs> and then sort of slinks away with his cape snapping. And I just love him in this. He is so annoying. And in Big Bang, Big Bang Theory, I find him really annoying. But in this movie... I just love the fact he does not give a shit about what anyone thinks and he's just being himself. And they even say at one point, like, at least he's happy being himself. And I think it's a strong message that Terry brings to the table. Mm. Because unlike Austin, who is like what everyone wants to be, but like pretty depressed from what I can go on. I mean, he's created a relationship with someone who he's probably being catfished. 
you were expecting a guy who hangs out in Starbucks writing poetry <laughs> is what he says when he feels some kind of disappointment from her when she says Austin Ames. Yeah. Now, I don't think she's disappointed that it's Austin Ames, but I think she is surprised. Shocked, yeah. Shocked. You would be. Imagine that you've been texting this guy who's supposed to be this intellectual um, nomad and it turns out to be the most basic boy in the whole school. I mean, apparently it's a big trait of his, not trait, but apparently it's a big identity marker that he is the student body president. Well, she goes to him, you can't be both guys. And then I was like, why not? Like, she's actually being quite small-minded there. Because why can't he be both the introspective poet and the football player? Football players can be intelligent and poets can be sporty. I would find someone who was the student body president, maybe that would be a cue they're a bit nerdy. Yeah, sounds Maybe nerdy. not in the American high school world. but I think in this high school, basically, his dad is just using corruption to... <laughs> no, he is though, isn't yeah. he? Like, because he says, I'm inviting this coach to the big game. You better be there. Like, bring your best. You could get scouted. You could get a scholarship. And he's just decided this path, but he's using all his connections instead of just letting his son explore what he might actually like to do. Yeah, so the Tennyson quoting uh, student, body student body president then <laughs> waxes lyrical and asks such questions <laughs> like rice cake or Big Mac. <laughs> that was like in Love Island last year where Lucy asked George, no, George asked Lucy, do you like snacks? What snacks do you like? <laughs> what kind of crisps are you? He just loves the fact that she could eat a Big Mac. And it's like... He's sick of all these skinny girls, like, who clearly have problems. I mean, those Victoria's Secrets models are meant to be in high school. Did you see them? Like, can you imagine looking like that in high school? Well, I don't need to. <laughs> Surely have been beaten up. Just mean, like, it's funny that he's sort of like, oh, I can have steak all day. I want a hamburger. Like, he wants a girl that's down and dirty, rough and ready. Like, it's like Uptown Girl. No, but they want a girl with but a perfect... But they want other way around. But they want a girl with a perfect physique still. Or, like, who is... Well, it's not like she's a big girl, yeah, is exactly. it? She's tiny. And they do make fun of larger people in this film when they do yeah, you're right. the lineup. So <laughs> the message to women is like, yeah. okay, so you should be this perfect body but you should also eat what you want i mean i think obviously eat what you want yeah but like it's horrible to then expect someone to think that what men want of them is someone who can eat what they want but, but still also look still look like hillary duff yeah. i mean maybe hillary duff's diet was big max but i just I don't doubt it, believe highly, it. Highly. also one fact from someone who's worked in a diner-like setting she has such good skin for someone who yeah. works in a fast food she, her diner. hair should be st- 20 million times more greasy. Like, you you don't look... She should be shiny. And also, she went straight from oh, there. Oh, don't even. And when she was wearing... So, so so they go outside, and they have a little walk, and they end up in a pagoda, and they dance. Oh, if I ask you to dance, will that count as one of my questions? Because they're playing 20 questions. So it's 10 questions, 10 actually. Questions yeah. Because... She's assertive, and she's not there to just answer his questions, right? Even though I felt like a lot of his questions were, like, leading in that they were meant to bring a conversation back to him or her impression of him or what she thinks of him, and I thought that was a bit egotistical of him. Yeah, Because he's never struggled, and his biggest problem is that he's a really talented writer and he doesn't know how he's going to explain to his family that he's got into an Ivy League school or whatever. Guys, if this guy is a talented writer, I'm a Premier League football player. I, uh, <laughs> I just... Excellent. Uh, but we do then go on from there to 
one of my my second favorite scene probably which is the fight scene um so <laughs> so big dave who looks ridiculous is turns out he's just like uh numbskull uh, oh, oh he's oh no pervert. he's leary yeah. he's leary yeah. yeah so he's he notices shelby he obviously saw that she broke up with austin or austin broke up with her earlier she does look amazing so of course he's gonna hit on her but when she says no very clearly he keeps hitting on her and like backing her into a corner which is when our hero arrives <laughs> and uh carter but in his mask in his person in his role as zorro uh, suddenly grows balls and decides to stand up to the lady and he says the lady said no and what I thought was really funny was this huge big bonehead Dave was <laughs> like you're dead taco boy <laughs> and for a moment I was like why do they call him taco boy this guy's obsessed because earlier he talks about burritos right. I was like maybe they used to date and they'd go to a Mexican restaurant and then I realised oh it's because he's doing like a Spanishy accent this guy's just horribly racist um as he thinks sorry this is like just a mexican um but yeah so then they 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 fight and sam tell me how in what genius way does the um performance art loving carter manage to defeat his opponent in a way that could never have been seen coming oh he doesn't know what i'm talking about it's the bit where he's he goes behind the bar, so this kind of fight scene ensues, and it's all like him jumping around with Zorro. He goes behind the bar, and Dave's in front of him, and he says, well, unfortunately for you, I starred in Pirates of Penzance for two, se- two seasons in a row. Say hello to Act 2, Scene 1, and uses the uh, bar, opens the hatch to hit him in the yes. face and knock Dave out, who falls into a pile of pumpkins. Uh, with one landing on his head like classic slapstick it's all coming back now yeah and um, Zorro then is able to cascade down <laughs> into the main foyer of what I believe is not the school it's a hotel yeah or it looks something. like a golf course yeah it's where these rich kids have their so how is Sam there who knows also, this all has happened in 45 minutes, yeah. I've noted. Yeah, her alarm hasn't even... So she sets an alarm. They don't get there till 11. <laughs> Quite late, I feel, for <clears> high it's school. It's because she has to work. But I feel like even for a high school dance, go on till 12. Yeah, but obviously all these people are 23 and over. Yeah. but uh, <laughs> I mean, Dave looks about 30. <laughs> also, you know, this is a lovely hotel with, like, these gardens which they walk through, which would never actually happen in a school at least not in england no. when you're under 16 because there'd be like those gardens everyone's just going to go and smoke and take drugs and have sex, in and have sex. yeah so the, i don't believe that they would choose this no. venue it's it was not there were way too venue. many like um holes for people to hide in yeah put it that way and also this guy's just able to zorro down a massive piece of fabric and <laughs> No one seems to care. Yeah, so he puts on such an impressive show. Then we're back with Sam and Austin, and her alarm goes off, and he's like, oh, what? She says, I'm, he says, don't tell me, you're late. And she says, I am late for reality. Which was just like, zing. That gives him no explanation of why you're suddenly running away. Like, why are you being so weird? She, she doesn't know how... She's like one of them people that has only made friends on the internet. If I met Sam in real life in this part of the film where she says lines such as, I'm late for reality, 
I would think you're a weirdo. Yeah. Like, you are. A you took some pills for the Halloween person. party, girl. But like, one and of she's those... dressed in a wedding dress. I mean, I know she looks gorgeous, but it is extra. I would just instantly think she's one of those people that like makes everything in their life so dramatic yeah, for yeah. no reason yeah. and like make exaggerates everything. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, no, this is a red flag. Let's get out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah. But Austin is. Austin's Not head of hills. Really there to work that out. No, he's he's absolutely into her, but she's then gone while the party's getting lit. So she's got to run back in, and then it's time for them to announce the king and queen, which is apparently something that happens at parties in America. You get queen crowned a royalty of the party, um, and it's always a kind of climactic scene in these movies. I feel uh, we're meant to feel like all the social pressure of the year is on football games and dances and pep rallies. Yes. Um, so what is, what's a pep rally? We'll get onto that. Okay. So <laughs> the teacher, there's a female teacher um, who's sort of like a harried looking woman and an attractive older woman running around the school in sort of 50s vintage outfits being stressed. And she stops the music and the DJ says... I was in the middle of a power jam. You totally <laughs> just harshed my mellow. Which I really respected, to be honest. I liked that character. Um, I feel like she would have got really into dubstep. Yeah, that yeah. She was loving the mellow power jam. Um, and so uh, Sam has to grab her friend Carter and he is kissing Shelby, which is like him and Shelby Cummings are kissing. This has got to be the, the pinnacle of his life yeah. to date. The most popular hottest girl in the school is kissing him while he's dressed as Zorro. Not, she doesn't know, right? By the way, she doesn't know she's kissing him even though they go to school together. Yeah. And Austin doesn't know who Sam is because they both have tiny little masks on that apparently hide their identity. Yeah, I don't believe that Shelby would have started getting off with Zorro. Even if she thought that he had saved her, she would have been like, who is this guy? Yeah, so Austin, no surprise, is crowned the king of the dance. But it says Prince Charming and Cinderella, because for some reason they vote for the name of the character they've come as. Even though there were some people there that I wouldn't know what to call them. But anyway. Angel Sue. Yeah. <laughs> Brown-haired angel. <laughs> but um, she's the woman's like, oh, it looks like Cinderella is playing hard to get because Sam runs away. And conveniently drops her cell phone, obviously fulfilling the role of the slipper um, in the classic fairy tale. Um, so, at the same time, they realise they only have a short amount of time to get back to the diner before she's in major trouble because she's going to be found out for going to the dance. And so, we, what ensues is essentially a chase scene. Um, and Carter refers to the ugly stepsisters as the wannabe Olsen twins, which is a very <laughs> on-the-nose of the time reference. Yes. Um, and we see Jennifer Coolridge as Fiona, the evil stepmom, and the twins kind of get stuck in like some kind of speeding car because the girls in their stupid Siamese cat costume push down on the accelerator and get their foot stuck there. Yeah. And then one of them exclaims, she must use the litter box, which was... Very gross. So they they see Sam. Yeah, in the, 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 car. the twins see her, but the mum doesn't. Yeah. And so, when they get in the car and tell the mum they didn't win anything for their costume, she's like, "I'm so disappointed in you." But her face is exactly the same as it was when they got in. And so they're like, "You don't look disappointed." And Jennifer Coolridge just delivers so well this line that's so classic that I remember from this movie, saying, uh, 
Oh, it's the Botox. I won't be able to show emotion for another hour and a half. <laughs> and all through the I car race, that. she's stuck with this face of like happiness, even though they're all screaming because they're like speeding round corners somehow. <laughs> don't manage to crash while Carter is driving slowly and carefully because he's in his dad's Mercedes, which is basically, as we learned earlier, the dad's other child that he loves more. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, they, the the evil people make it back to the diner before Sam and Carter, which, you know, we're obviously rooting for Sam to get back. Well, we would be maybe if we could empathise with her a little more. <laughs> we're meant to be. Um, so... Fiona's, that's the tension. That's the tension. Yeah, the jeopardy. Yeah. So Fiona's getting super angry, and she's like shouting at all the others. And I thought this was funny. Did you note this line when Rhonda tries yes. to stop Jennifer? Discuss- Sam, you can tell it. <laughs> I thought it was funny. So Rhonda needs to make up some time because Sam is not back. So to do this, she says, Fiona. I want to get my breasts done. Where did you get those? But the reason she does it is because she's like, Fiona, stop. Holds her hands up. And Fiona's, honestly, her breasts are so big in this movie. Obviously, I think they're meant to look like that. She goes, so the breasts are just basically in her face. And then that's why she thinks of that very clever way to lie. Um, And uh, Fiona just says, San Diego. Did you not think as well, when they're trying to hold up... um, when they're trying to hold up Fiona, they have no idea where Sam is. No, they don't so, know how long she's going to be. And also, surely they think that it's already failed because <laughs> they don't know which door she's going to come exactly, through. Exactly, they... exactly. They've got no idea, but then Sam pops up magically. With the uh, pancakes. Yeah, I thought that was just so cringe, like as if you've just been making pancakes back there in a dress. She's wearing the dress, which also, oh, got me so mad. So lucky. Greasy kitchen, white dress. Like, you are disrespecting Rhonda's property. Yeah. So lucky as well that um, she doesn't get asked. Yeah, to come like, out. To come out. Or... Sam reminds me of Rory from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like she always plays the victim, and I know she's had a bad life, but she's so passive until we're almost there. Um, <laughs> so the next day at school, I noted that Hillary Duff is wearing flares, which I absolutely have time for. Um, and Austin is putting posters everywhere looking for Cinderella because he's such a self-righteous white privileged male yeah. shout out Lawrence Fox that he <laughs> <laughs> that he um, he thinks like I don't know that it's his right to like know who she is and he's trying to hassle people to find and stalk this woman and he's saying to his friend Dave like oh she's just amazing like she's so natural or something and the friend goes oh what do you mean she still has her own nose <laughs> which I was like, come on. Like, that's obviously a big part of this for Austin, to be honest, I think. The fact that she is beautiful. Yes. like, And them trying to pretend like she's some average-looking girl did annoy me at this point. But, and then he literally walks past her in the corridor and doesn't see it. That's what makes me so irate, because if he really found her that attractive and was really that, you know, drawn to her, like, wouldn't he have noticed her before? <laughs> yeah. And I also noted here that his friends are so creepy. Um, so they yeah, do that's this the whole... other thing. Like I hate people who try and act like good people, but they have shit friends. It's like you can't just blame your friends. Like your friends are people who reflect you. Sorry, but you are. Carter and Sam make a pact that he'll 
she'll tell Austin that she's Cinderella, seeing as he so desperately wants to know, the day that Carter tells Shelby they snogged at the party. And that's just obviously terrifying. So the girls, Shelby and her Victoria's Secrets model friends, are at the pool. Stunning. And I've noted that they look amazing. Like Shelby's bikini is just out of this world. I want it. They would have so many Instagram followers. Yeah, they were, honestly, I thought that. I was like, to be fair, if anyone, if I saw someone in school who looked like these people, like, they, they deserve to be popular. Uh, that's not true, though, because actually she's a cow. Um, and lies and says that she drank, like, a whole bottle of Night Nurse or something the night before, and that's why she kissed him. Which creates a lot of problems if you're then making someone feel like they took advantage of you. Yeah. You know, if you got with someone and then were like, oh my God, what happened last this is night? A, this, is a, this plays into people's... There's a lot of men I know, and I don't want to get too serious on this, but there are men I know who say they think some women get with a guy, regret it because the guy's not hot, and then make out that it wasn't consensual mm. because of their embarrassment. And I obviously was like, that nobody would do that. Like, you have to realise how serious it is to make that kind of allegation. But this type of thing might be where people get that idea. Like, I'm not saying 100% it doesn't happen. I can't know every person in the world, but I just think that is a really easy way to dismiss women's voices. Yeah. Yeah. And also, if someone regrets something, it's usually because they weren't in the right mind. Yeah. And that might mean they were, like, really drunk or whatever. But, like, for her, she didn't actually know who this guy was. He just had a mask on. She also chose to get with someone who she didn't know the identity yeah, of. Yeah, so I that think is she did want like a moment of liberation, but she was she was also showing off about how amazing he was to her friends and saying all this generic stuff before he turned up. But if like, like you got with someone and then saw them the next day and they're like, oh my God, I had taken medication. I was on night nurse. I'd be like, so insulted. I would, no, but I would be like, oh my God, I feel really bad. Like I took, that person wasn't in the right state of mind. Like I fucked up. I would internalize it. Definitely. Yeah. So like, it's pretty cruel. I think it's a really horrible thing. You're making yeah. someone think that they've like assaulted you. Yeah. No, it was better. Like, I preferred in Legally Blonde where she made out the uh, the yeah. uh, awkward guy um, had like broken her heart and given her great pleasure to make him seem fit. In this case, this girl was just being like character assassination. She's so rude, and she's like, "We'll only interact when I copy your algebra." Yeah. Which is like, anyway, she on to another ridiculous situation. Um, <laughs> The boys, the lads, have organised this kind of beauty parade of girls that claim they're Cinderella. Um, And it's a mixed bag. Uh, There's Helga, the uh, woman who's into barbells and protein shakes and looks about 50. Um, There's another girl who's just like, what's up? Clearly doesn't care. Just turned up for the lols. (laughs) And uh, luckily, a teacher realises that this is coming on because it's pretty unorthodox. Um, and runs over saying, stop this, David. And David says, oh, late entry, which really did make me laugh. I thought that was pretty funny. And she said, you're a bad boy. And that is a terrible shirt, which is also something I've been thinking for a while since he'd entered the scene, really. Um, So that ends. There's also some kind of weird hint that the teacher's having an affair with the other friend, Roy. But I don't think it ever really comes full circle. Hmm. She's like, I didn't pick that up. Um, the, the twins, this is quite bad, but the twins 
Oh, yeah. So the first thing that happens as a major plot twist is that Sam gets accepted to Princeton. But mm. unfortunately, her evil stepmother discovers this before she does and says, oh, that won't do. That's quite evocative of Harry Potter as well. Exactly. With, um, Vern and Dursley. Her gaslighting ways just continue. Yeah. Like, she's literally sticking this girl and stripping her away from any, like, support. Also, solely to be, like, labour for her. Yeah, Not even <laughs> for any other reason, because surely if she went to Princeton and got out of her way... Yeah. She would be fine. But... Yeah, that's not happening. Like... She, but I suppose she has to foot the bill for Princeton. That's an issue. Yeah, but that's an expensive place to go. But surely she can get scholarships. You'd hope. But then um, the twins discover the plot twist that Sam's Cinderella by going on her computer. Like, what? Who leaves their computer open when their siblings in the room? Mm. So silly. Um, but then they they had to plan. <laughs> I've said. I imagine the slightly less brain dead one is cooking something up. And so what the twins do is both arrive at the car wash where Austin works that his dad owns um, to use the uh, MSN chats or whatever they found to make out their Cinderella. They, because this egotistical maniac has gone around the school demanding this woman reveal her identity to They him. fucked up so bad yeah. with that plan. Like, yeah. they foiled it straight away. Yeah. They, they did not think about that at and then all. they end up covered in hot, going through a car wash and covered in hot wax and i've written would you actually die yeah it was like the real big slapstick kind of scene in the movie um that's quite extreme yeah i but the hot wax makes me feel sick but yeah then i said and make you hear my feel my love so yeah i i noted again that austin's ridiculously ridiculously narcissistic because he comes into the uh diner can't even tell that she's cinderella it's like looking in her eyes talks to her and just like talks about himself in a really mm. a way that's so ironic given what's happening um anyway cutting to the real juicy but probably really triggering and horrible part of the film which is when the popular girls carry out a mass public shaming on sam at the pep rally yes and a pep rally i believe sam is a <laughs> Kind of what it says on the tin situation. So it's like everyone gets together to like cheer each other up for the game the next day. Okay. So they literally like the principal does a speech about how great the school is. The cheerleaders cheer. America just needs to stop. It's so like, weird. Why do it's you self congratulate? Why do you need that? It's like a cult. It is. Um, <laughs> and they do this through a. So I suppose it's a play within a play. Yeah. It's a bit, though. It's like a skit. Yeah, I guess this is quite Shakespearean, yeah. in a way. Um, yeah, so they decide to portray what's happening. At first, it starts off quite like ominous, and it's actually quite good. And yeah. then it just becomes really obvious that they're like very directly yeah. targeting calling, Sam, calling and Sam and Austin out in front yeah. of the school. But to be fair... The evil twins did present Shelby with the evidence as a dossier as though Sam had like purposefully started an affair with Austin and tried yeah. to steal him. Not that that would in any way justify their behavior, but she didn't do it just because they did yeah. it because they thought That's true. that this had happened to them. But the twins are the really evil ones, I guess. <laughs> if they weren't so stupid and they play the absolute like buffoon characters in this sort of Shakespearean farce. Um, and yes, yeah, so they basically use the um, uh, metaphor or simile metaphor of a frog 
to describe Austin's relationship with Diner Girl and then everyone chants Diner Girl. Which is horrid. Do you think that would actually happen? Yeah. I could imagine that happening, mm. actually. It's horrible, though. So traumatic. Like, And that same day, she goes home and her stepmom tells her she didn't get into Princeton and tries to make her eat cookies. She wanted cookies. <laughs> um, and then uh, Austin is so brooding and he's trying to type out messages to Sam to explain himself because he didn't stand up for her. She just left the pep rally and he just sat there and the dad was like, what's this about? So he was obviously in big trouble, but at the same time, he just didn't stick up for her. Um, but this all kind of like crescendos into Sam, like then find out she doesn't get in, going to work and then just exploding basically at Fiona and telling her that she's leaving. Yeah. She's just having her own life back and like fuck her basically. Um, which ends up being a really strong moment for Sam. Actually, the only time in the film where you see any kind of character in her at all, I would yes. say. And it is a great moment because then we see everyone else walk out of the diner. Yeah, send me a bill. <laughs> which is which is great, but then I think, you know, I hope they find other jobs and they're not just giving it up for this I girl. I thought that as well. Um, and Sam then moves in with Rhonda, yeah. which I think is, is nice for them. Yeah, and Rhonda then... Rhonda can actually have someone else in her life because she must be quite lonely. She must be, yeah. She has a nice house as well. For someone who works in a diner and yeah. probably isn't being paid well by her Fiona, evil boss. Her evil boss. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Doesn't look like... Um, wherever she says she's from the ghetto. Or no, she's not hood, the, the hood. hood. Yeah. Betty Crocker from the hood. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so then, for some reason, Sam decides that one enemy to vanquish wasn't enough and she goes to take on Austin as well because she just has got this newfound sense of confidence and suddenly she's like what people would probably call like a ball broker and she storms into the locker rooms which is quite risque. They could have been naked in there. Mm. Um, but luckily they're not and they all go nuts. Chicken the lockers. Um, so he says, and it's sort of like it reminds me a bit of the moment in Greece when Sandy says to Danny, you're a liar and a cheat and I wish I'd never laid eyes on you. Like she fully calls him out and it's like, you're a coward, you're a phony. Like actually the guy inside you, the guy I know is inside you is there, but I can't wait for him anymore. And that's where the film should have ended. Yeah. She <laughs> says, I know what it feels like to not to be pretending to be someone you're not, but I don't care what people think of me, which is Really bold for a like sixteen year old girl. What a switch yeah. overnight. Overnight, because before she only cared what people thought, and then she said, "Waiting for you is like waiting for the rain in this drought. Useless and disappointing." And that's what how she lends it, like leaves it. Boom, yeah. mic drop. Our prophetic. And fallacy. all the guys are like, "Yeah." So the prophetic fallacy is really coming back into play. And basically, her and Carter for some reason decide to go watch the game, even though Austin is like the main player that everyone is going to chant for and cares about in the game. And Shelby is there telling everyone her and Austin are back together. So I don't know what happened. If they maybe hooked up, maybe he got a bit like lonely the night before. Maybe she just looked real good in that cheerleading uniform. Yeah. But either way, she's got the impression they're getting back together. I, also, I always hate how the, the characters like Sam and her friend 
are meant to be like ostracized by the school cliques whatever but then they still are like going and cheering on like for some team. reason her friend just loves football now even though he was like a nerd two minutes and ago. it's like why are you cheering on these people that treat you like shit it's <laughs> So they haven't learnt that they are in a cult. <laughs> um, and then basically, <laughs> they this song goes like starts playing. May angels lead you there. I don't know if that's what it's called, but that's one of the lyrics, and it's like so evocative of this moment. And I said, the craziest thing is that even though she was basically an an indentured servant and orphan since childhood, like two minutes ago it's been harder for him to assert himself, like, despite his privilege. Um, and then he finally stands up to the dad and says, like, no, dad, I'm not throwing away my dream. I'm throwing away yours. Um, and again, subs in Ryan, who then gets a chance to score his own touchdown. But the crazy thing is how he's managed to, like, reach this point of his life where he's student body president, quarterback, all of that, so passively. And then yeah. I've written, but perhaps that is just the white man's burden, lol. I feel this film could be weirdly woke if it's pointing out, basically, in my mind, the fact that, like, he just didn't need to do anything and gets everything he wants. And then he finally stands up for himself. But even then, it's like, the problem with him is that he can't, he's never seen anything bad. So his problems just seem so bad to him, but they're not. It's like he lived in a mental prison, like, yeah. a prison that wasn't actually real. Yeah. He just made it up. Yeah. Like, yeah, he completely created all these problems for himself when in reality he's just played the game a bit better and like tell his dad, no, I'm not going there, yeah. but still win the game. I don't know. I, I thought he was just very not fleshed out. Also, like, how I'm not going to empathize with this character who whose biggest struggle in life is that his dad wants him to go to one American college and play football when <laughs> he wants to go to another. And, and probably a, play football again. And play football <laughs> and maybe do some writing. Like, I, I, there's there's not enough at stake for me to be like, wow, yeah. I really I really care for you. He doesn't I, even I seem bothered when him. he gets like humiliated in front of everyone because they're still cheering for him at the game, so it doesn't even matter that that yeah. happened. Um, so then the prophetic fallacy comes to its full fruition. It starts raining. Oh my God, the drought has has finished. So now I've stopped waiting for you. So um, I did write though, who among us did not dream about kissing Chad Michael Murray in the rain in the noughties? Did you read the trivia about the scene? No. So apparently it took them like a lot of takes to film this scene because they needed the rain the to rain. drop on the perfect moment. But to me, the, the raindrop looked um, CGI. Yeah. So I don't know if that trivia Maybe was Maybe that's like them. Fake news. Yeah, fake news. Um, it was just create a bit of hype. When it was <laughs> and then I was like, why is he shouting, I love high school, Carter? That guy should hate high school. Like, um, And then, so it all basically ties up neatly. She gets her prince and a really bad cold in case you thought all she cared about was love. Um, but I said it's sort of like the reverse of Legally Blonde because then they end up going to uni, but she's like, well, I'm only a freshman. Who knows what could happen? Yeah, I, I quite like that she could say that at the end. Yeah. But I also would have preferred that they just didn't get together. Yeah, because he was not worth her time. If she'd just been like, you know what, you're not worth it, um, bye. Yeah, because he should have stood up for her in front of all those people. He had the power to stand up and be like actually me and Sam really like each other and I'm sorry that you're hurt Shelby that's not how it went down um, dad we'll talk about it later let's get on with the pep rally so basically this line that really confused me in the film when Sam said 
when she was tying up everything that happened. And Austin's dad finally got off his Trojan horse. And I was like, how? I don't feel like he had a ploy that was to lure Austin in or like to get in. He and didn't then like deceit. Yeah. The football team are called the Trojans. That's very specific. Yeah. I, 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 That's lame. I just looked it up because I was like, yeah, that was weird. Why does she, does she not understand what the Trojan horse was about? Just, just men to think she was an idiot at the end. And then Carter gets his big job in the acne commercial um, and ended up with a goth. Which yeah, is unbelievable, felt... but I'm still here for it because I'd like to think that she does get to play more of a part in this universe as it goes on. I, I'm here for it, but I just felt that it was that kind of forced resolution you get where it's like, let's couple off everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was quite Shakespearean. I, was, I mean, I was happy that Rhonda was made business partner. Yeah, and that then was good. Fiona had to clean up. Because she can be the manager, right, of yeah. that while Sam's away at college. So actually, financially, it worked out incredibly well for Sam. Now she's basically a millionaire, I think. However, would the dad have actually left his daughter to the diner when she was like a child and not I got the feeling though that he somehow preempted that his wife was a gold digger or something because he told her look in this book exactly but then the wife signed the will okay there may be some holes in the plot I don't know but you surely under contract under a law under a will sorry the his partner would probably be the person that managed the estate until she that. until she was eighteen. Um, but that's convention. You wouldn't leave a diner. He to... could leave it to someone else. Yeah, it could have been Rhonda. Yeah, that's true. She could have been her like trustee. Mm. But yeah, either way, it didn't matter because the the will was never found until then. But I honestly thought, how is there even any money left? I feel like the stepmom would have squandered it all. I guess. Um, she might have sold the house or something. Right. I guess he, he might have had other investments. And I'd hope that he'd had a plan. And also, I guess he'd been like a single dad. But maybe there was some life insurance also, from the Also, she, what she did... There's probably life insurance from him as well. What um, Fiona did was completely illicit. So if there was stuff, she might have had to... He have, might have been able to claw it back. She might yeah. have had to have like given... Or like she might have been in debt. They were impounding her cars at the end. Yeah, so they would have had to have taken anything she'd bought or like... Yeah. But I mean, overall, I did think it was a really simple movie. And oh, yeah, so you can note that Rupert Grint was meant to play Austin, which just would have been a totally different movie. A totally different movie that I can't see working. No. I don't think. Oh my gosh. I don't know. There's something about Chad being so gorgeous that I think does forgive the fact the character has no character. No, nothing. Also, let's be real. He's stepping in the shoes of. Prince Charming, exactly. who is a character who likewise doesn't have much depth. Exactly, yeah. Which is kind of a shame for Chad, I guess. Yeah. But this is probably one of the highest profile films that he was in. Mm. Yeah, so overall, I liked it, but I wouldn't say go out and like watch it in a hurry. But it definitely has some good one-liners, some zingers, and some actually weirdly impressive actors. I think it's probably superior to the other uh, films it spawned. So there's another yeah. Cinderella story starring Selena Gomez. Oh, God, no. And then there's another Cinderella story. A um, Christmas one. A Christmas one. There's one, a musical-themed one. 
So this did spawn a lot of similar... That's so low-key, though. I never watched any of the others. I think I've seen the Selena Gomez one. Big In fan. one of them, the thing they lose, um, so it's not a phone, it's a Zoom, which was like an iPod. Oh, yeah, I remember him. And then the way that... I think that's another Cinderella story with Selena Gomez. So then the way that um, he finds out who she is, it's like, um, can you tell me your most played songs? And it's like, ponder, replay. Oh, wow. So, good thing we didn't watch that one. Maybe, <laughs> maybe one day. But... Maybe one day, yeah. No, I'm, I'm up for it, but, like, I think I need a bit of time off. <laughs> and maybe, like, next time we do pick something more intellectually challenging. I do love the trashiness of these movies, and I love getting lost in these crazy worlds. Okay, well, okay. thanks for listening. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the movies that raised me. I would like to say another huge thank you to the Daydream Club who have let us use their track Square in our podcast.